everyone. My name is Shabnam Abgari, and I am your host today at Be Infinite, a platform for online transformative learning to realign people with their inner balance and life purpose. Thanks for joining our monthly live um, discussion. Uh, today is May 20th, and every year on May 20th, uh, the world observes autoimmune arthritis day in order to raise awareness about autoimmune and uh, autoinflammatory diseases um, that shows up in our bodies with arthritis being the major component. Today, our guest speaker is Rita Mustafa, um, holistic nutritionist and acupuncturist. Please join me in welcoming Rita. Hello, Rita. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, so without further ado, let's hear more about Rita's journey and the life experiences that brought her to this point. Uh, and she's here with us today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so my, my journey probably started um, in my teens, I would say. I remember in high school, always having headaches, like probably every day having headaches. And uh, I remember you know, being brought to different doctors to figure out what these headaches were about. And of course, there's no, there's no reason for it, just, just headaches. Um, and so, you know, being a teen, I, I didn't put much thought into it and just kind of lived with headaches. And that's what I did. Then got into my 20s. When I was in my 20s, the headaches, um, I, I realized were more sinus type headaches. So uh, always a headache, always in the front and uh, my sinuses were always full and so I had a name to put with it okay fine and then um you know I wasn't in this this field at the time so the way I dealt with it was sinus Tylenol that's how you fix it right you just keep taking it every day every day so did that for many years and didn't, didn't think anything of it that that's just what people do and then got to a point where um it started to become sinus infections and even worse, ear infections. And I remember my last ear infection, I was, I was on the couch in so much pain. I had like an ice pack on my ear. And every time I swallowed, it was like a bomb going off in my ear. And, I, and that was sort of like the final straw where I finally said to myself, this can't be normal. It can't be, this can't be the way we're supposed to, I'm supposed to be living, right? So that was in my late, um, in my late 20s. And that's when I started to think like, okay, maybe, you know, started to connect like, okay, maybe this isn't right. And I don't want to take Tylenol for the rest of my life and antibiotics and all of that. So I eventually um, uh, started doing some research and this is when the internet was very new. And I found this nutrition school and uh, I was working at the time and, and they had a distance course. So they would send like binders and binders worth of stuff and, and started doing this nutrition course. And I, and I started to learn like, oh, the connection with food and um, inflammation and sinuses and digestion, like all these things. And it was all brand, brand new to me. I was like, how could it be? I'm an Italian. I've eaten dairy, gluten, like all my life. Like how could this possibly be a connection? And um and, and then I started to say, well, I, I should try like getting rid of dairy and getting rid of gluten and just see what happens. And it took about a, a year, um, a year of 
getting rid of those foods, changing my diet. Um, I started seeing a, a practitioner, a holistic practitioner at the time, and we were doing, you know, herbal stuff and things like that to, you know, to basically fix all the damage I've done over the previous years by doing all the wrong stuff. And so after about a year, um, I, um, I actually continued with the nutrition course, graduated, then started practicing and started showing other people how they can feel better and more or less listen to what their body's saying. Because although all that time, even since I was a teenager, like my body was trying to tell me something and I just wasn't listening and not paying attention or just didn't know what to do. Um, and then in my, and then in my thirties, um, in my thirties, I went, so I went back to school, finished my nutrition. And then about five years later, went back to school again and became an acupuncturist. So that took mm-hmm. several years. Um, and then that takes me to my forties. <laughs> and then that's when I started to incorporate the spiritual part of mind, body, spirit. So I was okay. working with the mind. I was working with you know, the body, um, but the spiritual aspect wasn't quite developed yet. And so that's when I started to incorporate my dowsing and energy work and Reiki and things like that. So that takes me to here, Mm. where I'm at. Yeah. (laughs) That is really fascinating, Rita. And I think um, for our audience uh, to know, I think uh, I was talking to Rita earlier today about the same stuff. I think I'm now I'm at that uh, stage where you were at your 20s and now oh. I started discovering what's happening yeah. <laughs> all the wake-up calls and all the signs that the body shows us to take a step forward and to do something about uh, inflammation or different conditions that each person is dealing with yeah. so your, your curiosity has been really fascinating and I think it's been very um, key factor to design this journey that you have been yeah. on <clears throat> that is yeah amazing. we're always we're always going to be learning on this path right so yeah yeah and teaching we're all teachers we're all students the, at the same. yeah it's interesting so can you please also explain uh, what are the autoimmune autoinflammatory and uh, arthritis conditions there's a lot of myth out there there's um, a lot of jargons people uh, go through uh, all of these materials online and it's not easy to navigate on, on our own. So please shed some light on that. Yeah, so the the wording there can be confusing because a lot of times they're used interchangeably, but um, they really are individual conditions. So when we're talking about autoimmune, we're talking about the immune system that something has gone wrong and so now the immune system is attacking what it thinks is a foreign object, but really it's its own tissue. So an example of autoimmune condition would be like a thyroid issue, like Hashimoto's or Graves or even type one diabetes. It's a, it's a autoimmune. So the body mistakes certain something for a, an invader, but it's not, it's its own tissue. Um, so autoimmune is basically the immune system uh, attacking itself, whereas Uh, auto-inflammatory is immune system may or may not be involved, but there's signs of inflammation. So it's not necessarily attacking the body. It's just, it's sending out signals that something's wrong. And, you know, if you listen to it, 
then then we can sort of correct it. But if you're like me in my 20s and not doing anything and just take popping pills, then that that information, that signal that the body's trying to sell you, tell you is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And um, yeah, so basically it's just an exaggerated response to something happening in the body. Mm-hmm. And then arthritis, arthritis could actually be a combination of both. So some people have arthritis, which is attacking the body, like lupus is a, is a type of, um, which is autoimmune and uh, autoinflammatory, or some people just have uh, as arthritis being just an inflammatory state, and usually the inflammation is at the joints, so you know, our arthritis in the hands or the wrists or the elbows or knees, right? So our arthritis is, is more or less more, more or less, it's an inflammation, but it could also be inflammation plus an autoimmune condition. Those are the three, the three main words, uh, the three main titles that, that mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about today, but each one could be an individual case or they could all be, just be combined. Yes, very interesting. Thank you, Rita. And uh, what are some of the contributing factors to any of those ailments? So there's so many things that can contribute. So um, in our environment today, there's so many toxins, whether it's from the air, the water, the food, like um, even like household cleaning products. These are all things that could contribute. So that's just toxicity-wise. Um, x-rays, you know, lots of people um, exposed to x-rays, whether it's radiation or getting mammograms or getting their teeth x-rayed. Um, so x-rays can, can be a problem. Um, injury, so sometimes just an injury to a joint or whatever can start the inflammatory process. And if that inflammatory process doesn't turn off, then it, it becomes more chronic as opposed to an acute. Um, infection, so uh, pathogenic infection, so whether it's a virus, a bacteria, a, uh, any, any type of a, a pathogen. Um, can also start start the inflammatory process. And again, if the body doesn't know how to turn it off, it just becomes more chronic and more progressive. Um, diet is another huge one. So eating the wrong foods, eating you know, processed foods, eating too much sugar. Um, you, can, you can probably even blame some medications. So you know, whether it's um, some people are taking medications for their inflammation, but a lot of times it's not correcting the inflammation. It's just turning, telling the body to stop feeling that, that symptom and it's not correcting anything. It's just turning off the signal. So the, the, you know, the problem is still there. It's just sort of, sort of being hidden. So those are some of the main kind of reasons for uh, why inflammation or even um, autoimmune conditions can start. I guess we could throw you know, even like pesticides and additives and maybe GMOs. We don't know what GMOs are doing, right? Oh. Yes, sorry, I was speaking on, on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is all true. Uh, and thanks for sharing um, these details with us. Um, earlier, we were talking about uh, inflammation. Can you name some of the conditions that arise from inflammation in our bodies? So inflammation can be um, like obvious inflammation. So um, 
I, I have a nice big paper cut on my finger from a cardboard box. So it's a really deep cut. And, and you know, so, so that would be an acute kind of form of, of inflammation because it's, it's red, it's sore. Every time I go lick my pen and it, you know, rests against the cut, it's like, ow, that hurts. So that's an acute sign of inflammation. Um, but uh, a more chronic sign of inflammation can be anything from like high blood pressure, um, diabetes, high cholesterol, arthritis, um, mm -hmm. obviously, that's what we're talking about today. Um, um, just so many things. I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. But though, so, so inflammation can be very visible and inflammation can be hidden. Mm -hmm. So whenever I see clients and they come in with whatever the complaint is, even if it has a name, so let's say it's high blood pressure, that's wonderful. Um, um, but high blood pressure can be for many reasons, right? So mm -hmm. it, it, stress, it could be inflammation, it could be diet, it could be too much salt, it could be so many things. So, so inflammation is, is generally just a, a hidden sort of um, underlying kind of condition that presents in many health uh, mm -hmm. issues that people come in with. Yeah. So is there a way for people uh, to know that they have inflammation in their system? So what are the symptoms? And then you say it's and sometimes it's hidden. How would one know that there's, um, they are dealing with this condition? So I would just look at um, what the complaints are, right? So high blood pressure is one example. So if someone's coming in with high blood pressure, my, my thought usually goes to, okay, what's the underlying inflammatory reason? Is it pathogen? Is it a toxin? Is it, I don't know, food? What is it? Um, so, so it's not even that, um, it, you know, that they're coming in saying I have arthritis because arthritis is an inflammatory issue. So most people would know that, you know, inflammation is the main cause of, of arthritis mm -hmm. as an example. But if someone's coming in with Sinus issues like I used to have, that's inflammation within my sinus cavity, but it, you know, that's not how it's presented or treated. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's 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 um, it's basically just looking at what is what is your health complaint? Is it a joint issue? Is it a mm -hmm. is it a sinus issue? Is it ear issues? Is it throat? Is it your thyroid is always, you know, low or whatever it may be? So it's just going backwards and looking at what is the actual health condition and then to trying to figure out the why, which is most of the time, some sort of. Mm -hmm. And when we say it's hidden inflammation, there's no way to get to know about it unless there's a um, health condition or a signal from the body, correct? Yeah, so most of the time you, most people, it's not that they don't know, they don't connect the dots. So. Mm -hmm. As an example, um, you know, after a certain age, like in the 50s, I used, when people get in their 50s, uh, I used to see this a lot more, but, you know, people would come in and it's like, well, here's my medications. I'm on uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, and cholesterol. It, it's just like, okay, well, that didn't all happen in one day. Something happened all the way along to create so much inflammation that the body's presenting with diabetes, cholesterol, and mm -hmm. high blood pressure. Um, and, um, sorry, what was it? So the, the question was, how do you, how do they know? Yeah. About the question? So, so I think I'm trying to get at, um, 
Before it gets to a chronic condition, is it possible to diagnose it and uh, to do something about it before it gets to a point that people relate it to uh, age or any other uh, factors um, that uh, and, and treat it as if it's a normal condition? It's normal to have this at this age. It's normal to be dealing with yeah. it uh, when, you, um, when you're at this uh, stage of your life. Right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a good point. So um, it's really just listening to your body. So um, going back to my thing about the sinuses, so all along, that was, that was just my sign, right? That was my body trying to tell me something's not right. And had I known, you know, when I was younger and I cut out wheat and dairy at that point, I probably wouldn't have had to experience all that other stuff, right? But many people, around with sinus headaches all the time and it's not considered an inflammatory condition it's just considered oh you're you have sinus headache it's that's what it is so it, it it's listening to the small things so you know in my case it was the sinuses and somebody else it could be like oh like my my thumb my thumb is sore like mm -hmm. and you know and like you said oh it could be because I'm you know I'm 50 now and that's what happens when you're 50 your joints hurt right so it's just listening to those little signs and symptoms that come along um, along the way and not waiting for it to progress into something like, mm -hmm. you know, like an arthritis or it's like degeneration is starting because we've, we've missed the signals. Yes, thank you. That's, that's really um, interesting. Uh, how can diet help? Yeah, so diet is probably um, one of the first things to treat any sort of inflammatory, even autoimmune um, condition. So with diet, um, and most people know, you know, don't eat too much sugar, don't eat processed mm -hmm. foods, you know, don't eat, mm -hmm. like most people are aware that those are not good foods for the body. Um, but uh, it could also be foods that are not necessarily seen as bad foods. So um, you know, some people are sensitive to gluten, some people are sensitive to lectins or like legumes, and some people are sensitive to dairy and eggs. And so they're not always necessarily bad foods that are going to, you know, show up as, as causing inflammation. Everybody's so unique and so different. So mm -hmm. when I'm working with people and I, I, I use my dowsing tool, uh, energetically test people to kind of see, well, you know, you know, is, is there a connection to what you're eating and, and what's contributing to whatever the health condition is? And most of the time, you know, aside from sugar and stuff that you know you're not supposed to be eating, sometimes it's perfectly healthy food, but that, you know, that particular body doesn't do well with it. Mm -hmm. So diet does play a big part. And, um, you know, like I said, gluten, dairy, eggs, those are the top three. And those are, those are my cookbooks, right? So I've written, yes. you know, several cookbooks and mm -hmm. those are back to the title of it dairy-free gluten-free and egg-free because those are the three most problematic foods for people and mm -hmm. sometimes just taking those three food categories out um, just will decrease inflammation all by itself without doing any herbs or without doing anything different mm -hmm. so it could be that simple yes and just for you to know I have started taking out the, those three categories and it's been really helpful <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> and your cookbooks are amazing. Thank you so much, Rita, for sharing that. 
Mm, and can you uh, um, share with us some successful examples of your uh, clients who have managed to heal these conditions? Um, yeah, so uh, thinking about um, one of my clients with high blood pressure mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and that person had already got rid of dairy, got rid of wheat, got rid of gluten. I think they were mostly plant-based. Um, mm -hmm. They did have meat here and there uh, or fish here and there. So, you know, so all the, all the stuff that I would normally start with had already been done. So mm -hmm. I knew when I did my energy work with the person, um, I realized their adrenals were in this constant state of fight or flight. Their cortisol levels were just too high. And within just um, a short time of taking um, a particular supplement to support their adrenals, their blood pressure normalized. And so that was, that was pretty dramatic because high blood pressure can be really difficult to regulate um, without medication. So, so this one uh, was a really good sign. Another one uh, with um, MS type symptoms, um, same thing. Um, took away, we took away wheat, dairy, gluten to start. Uh, they were still eating meat, um, but it took um, three months for, and this person was definitely inflamed. Like you could see it in their face. You could see it in their body, just like just inflamed and they were uncomfortable. And, you know, but, and they also had all the MS type symptoms. So just mm -hmm. you know, overall, not well. And it took um, three months of, you know, them following the, the diet um, and before, before even just like a little bit of change happened. So, you know, it, these things don't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that's really important to know is, you know, mm -hmm. just, just, you know, going off wheat and dairy and eggs for a weekend is not going to fix anything. So you have to do it long enough, but that was a really big one too. I remember just seeing the changes after the three months, it was just like the body just, I don't know, it just made a connection to like, oh, okay. And the inflammation just kept going down and down and it kept changing. And every time I would see them, they looked different. And it was, that was a really big shift um, that I saw. How long did this process take? Uh, For this specific client, yes. Uh, three months. Mm -hmm. so three months, yeah. And does the speed of recovery uh, shift? So at the beginning it's slower and towards the end it's faster or it, it, there's no such thing? Um, you know what, I see both. Like in that, in that particular case, I saw very slow um, changes to start and then like the body just, just figured it out. Mm -hmm. And I have um, another client who has insomnia and she's, I think she's like 15 or 16 and you know, for a few years now, very young, and just doesn't sleep. Like, I don't know how she functions and goes mm -hmm. and all of that. But um, so this same thing with her, it was, um, it was big changes. So she wasn't a big meat eater. The house, I, I believe her mother was already vegetarian. So they weren't big meat eaters, but mm -hmm. I took away the wheat, I took away the gluten and I took away the eggs and the dairy. Mm -hmm. And like, within like the first week she saw big changes wow. and it was like yeah and then within the month within the month for sure mm -hmm. like dropped like 15 pounds um her sleep was slightly better mm -hmm. but i 
I, once I incorporated acupuncture with all the changes, mm -hmm. um, she, she's actually sleeping longer and deeper and, and that's really big for her because she mm -hmm. just has not slept well at all. And, and that's with her doing her little cheats, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, yeah. um, and this is only like, we're talking like two months. Like I'm not, this is not like a, you know, a year long. This is like yeah, just within surprisingly, two months. Yeah, surprisingly, it's not that of a long time. So I expected much longer. Uh, mm -hmm. when, yeah. when we are dealing with chronic conditions, you usually think, or one of the barriers for people is that they think it takes very long time. They think of minimum one year, and um, for us to have gone um, with whatever method that we are living to, to now um, having these symptoms and conditions, uh, it's been long enough for them to be created. So dedicating three to four months uh, to just start seeing um, a beneficial impact is not that long. Exactly. Yeah. When you put it, when you put it like that, it's, it, you know, a, a few months of changes just mm -hmm. to, to feel better, just to feel a little bit better. Yeah. And then, it, you know, most of the time, even if they struggle for those three, four months, whatever it may be, when they get to that place where they feel better, mm -hmm. it, most of them don't want to go backwards. Right. So they're, you know, they might cheat here and there, but it's not like they're just going to fall off the wagon and, and go back mm -hmm. to the old ways because they know they can feel this much better. And so, um, yeah, if you can, it, you know, when, when a person's ready and they're ready to make the changes to, to get to a, a place of feeling better, mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, it, it's just a place you want to stay. Yes, for sure. They say when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then that's the time you start making the changes. And, uh, and it's not a comfortable place. So once you're out of it, you never want to go back. Um, you don't so, want to go back. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's that's really true. Um, I think now um, it, it's a good time to, um, to take a pause and ask our audience if they have any questions uh, related to this topic that they want to ask. You can, um, if, if you are joining us on the Zoom, you can unmute yourself and share your question. You can use the chat facility, or if you are on um, Facebook, you can type it in the comment section of the live session. So please feel free to ask your questions. Give it a few moments. Okay, I got one question here. I'd love to be free from information and all the conditions that you're uh, explaining, but it is very hard for me to overcome my cravings. Do you have any advice for me? Yeah, so cravings can be interesting because the type of craving you have often um, is a signal for me as to what's happening inside the body. So some people crave salty foods as an example. So, you know, chips and pretzels and just things that are really salty. And so that sometimes will give me um, an idea that, you know, their, their adrenals are uh, affected in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a lot of stress in their life or maybe um, they were under a lot of stress and now their body is sort of trying to recover. And, you know, the, the body uses the salt to sort of stimulate the adrenals and the adrenals is what gives us energy and what 
helped with the inflammation and things like that. Um, and then there's other people that crave things like sweet food, right? Mm. Bread and sugars and like cake and just like sweet all the time. Um, and so that usually is an indication that there could be a few other things happening. So sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's like just wanting to feel better. Sometimes it's because it gives quick energy. So people who are really fatigued, um, are, you know, have low energy, they, it, you know, sugars are quick energy. So it mm -hmm. gives them like temporary, like, oh, good, I have some energy, but it's like you know, for five minutes or something. It's not mm -hmm. very long. Um, and then sometimes that craving for sugar is a pathogen so something like candida or a fungus or um, a mold in the body then you know those pathogens actually crave the sugar they need the sugar to kind of continue and grow and and so the body ends up craving that particular food so um yeah so cravings is is an interesting one because it, it does give me some direction to go into um but and then some people have cravings for like chocolate, as an example, right? So chocolate could be a sign of like, okay, maybe there's a mineral imbalance because chocolate is very high in magnesium, but it could also be they're craving sugar. So, um, you know, if, if cravings is one of those things that is um, your sign or sim like your symptom of like something's not right because the body's craving something so much or to the point where like you just literally have to have it, um, then... It, it, it's important to kind of recognize it first and then also do things to um, to support that. So if I was talking about the adrenaline, for example, you crave salty food, um, have to have salt all the time, then maybe making sure that you have a B-complex in your uh, part of your routine to support your adrenals is, you know, something to start with. So incorporate your B-complex and see what happens. If it's sugar that you're craving, well then, you know, is it um, maybe you need probiotics? Maybe you need more probiotics. Maybe you need to start eating some fermented sour, you know, fermented foods like sauerkraut or kombucha or something like that to help mm. put good bacteria in so that the pathogens, um, you know, don't pro proliferate so much. Um, maybe it requires, you know, um, taking a look at how much sugars you're actually doing in the form of maybe it's bread and too many carbs or too much rice or too much pasta or, or that thing or that type of thing. So maybe it's worth, you know, cutting back on those foods and filling up with something else. Like try and eat more fresh vegetables or um, even a fruit over a piece of bread type thing. So yeah, cravings is always a tough one, especially when mm -hmm. the soul um, crave something so much that it just has to have it. It's almost mm -hmm. like I need my sugar or I need my salty or. Mm -hmm. So for these people with these cravings, what is the best starting point? Do they have to see a specialist? Do they have to do their own research? What are the pathways that uh, I think that was um, more of this person's question that where they where can they start? I would personally do like. Um, a food journal, like three, four days of a food journal and just write down mm -hmm. everything, good, bad. It doesn't matter how much coffee you're drinking, you know, mm -hmm. how much water you're drinking, just write everything down. And then if you can work with someone, um, like for myself, when I'm looking at the list, I'm not looking at the list because I'm, I'm trying to criticize the person. I'm looking at the list to see patterns. I'm looking at the list of foods to see, 
um, you know, wh what's missing, like maybe mm -hmm. they're just not eating any protein at all and it's just carbs or whatever the, whatever it is, right? So you can work with a holistic practitioner who can kind of look at, you know, look at the, those foods and kind of comment on, on that, then it kind of puts you in a direction to go into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I would start. Perfect. Thank you. It makes a lot of sense. The other question that I got is that what is there any connection between a caffeine and inflammation? Um, caffeine and inflammation. So caffeine is a stimulant and it it can for some people contribute to the inflammation. Um, um, I wouldn't say it's the necessarily the cause of inflammation. Mm -hmm. If someone was drink was a big coffee drinker, as an example, I remember many years ago I was working with somebody who who had MS symptoms. She was a nurse, mm -hmm. had MS symptoms, and would drink a pot of coffee a day. Wow! And like that, like you ha you have to know a pot of coffee is not good for you, right? Mm -hmm. I can understand one cup of coffee. I can understand even two cups of coffee, but I can't. Mm -hmm. 10 cups of coffee that's like not right that's so heavy, heavy on the nervous system oh my goodness but I guess maybe as a nurse she just needed the energy so yes. it's like there's a lot of questions that come up to you mm. as to why do you need that much coffee why not drink water mm. you know water gives you energy too not just coffee yes and I remember saying well um why don't you try decreasing the amount of coffee and incorporate more water mm. Like, right. So in that case, whatever, you know, her body was truly trying to tell her something was wrong. Yes. You know, you're showing up now with MS type symptoms, like your nervous system is now involved mm -hmm. and she wasn't willing to make changes. So there's, there's not much you can do at that mm -hmm. point. But um, so in that case, yes, I would say the caffeine is definitely contributing to the, to the issue, but it doesn't mean like the one cup of coffee that people drink in the morning is the contributing factor to, to all inflammation. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, coffee is bitter. Coffee is um, uh, even, uh, well, it's a stimulant. Like I said, the caffeine yeah. is a stimulant. So if I can get people to at least maybe switch to decaf coffee. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because um, a lot of times people will say, well, what's the point of drinking coffee? Yeah. And, and that's my point exactly. So you're not drinking coffee because it's enjoyable. You're drinking coffee because it gives you a hot, like a little bit of a, of whatever, right? Energy or, or whatever. So if you, if you're unwilling to even go to decaf coffee, then it, it should tell you something about what you're addicted to. Which mm -hmm. is, and if you don't think caffeine is addicting, try stopping caffeine, you know, turkey and mm -hmm. most people will end up with migraines or headaches with, for many days because it yes. is a stimulant and it is addictive to the body. Yes, that's true. Um, so I have also heard a lot of bad things about the processed uh, decaf coffee. So is that, a healthy, is that a healthy option to, to replace the actual normal coffee? Uh, are you talking about how it's processed? Like how it's made? The decaf, the, the, yeah, the, the process of decaffeinating. The yeah, so um, generally speaking, in a switch to decaf, you, you want to get like a, a Swiss water method. So basically, they're just soaking the beans first. So the caffeine is sort of mm -hmm. not like decaf coffee, zero caffeine. It's just 
little caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you definitely want to do like a Swiss, I think it's called Swiss water something, but you don't want to, you don't want to decaf chemically. You want it decaffeinated by, by um, okay. this water or something, mm-hmm. a special term. I can't remember the word. Yeah. That's very good to know. Um, the other question that we got is that, um, this person is saying that my family has a hard time adjusting to any of the new lifestyle changes. It makes it very difficult for me to change. Do you have any suggestions to make this transition easier for me? Yeah, that's always a big one if you have a family and you're you're the one person trying to make changes. Um, so I I would say in the beginning, it's it's basically you're almost like cooking two meals, one for you and one for the rest of your family. But then you slowly start to incorporate the changes into the whole family's diet. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it, let's say um, you're trying to get rid of gluten, um, dairy, and eggs, which is the, the main three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, instead of serving pasta, start serving rice more often instead of pasta. So right there, you're, you know, you're decreasing the amount of gluten. Or when you're... Um, making things that require eggs, like baking or whatever, then use an egg substitute. So you can slowly incorporate the, the changes in, and dairy is an easier one to, to change because you know, there's lots of dairy-free yogurt and dairy-free cheeses and dairy-free mm-hmm. butters and things like that. So I don't find dairy as hard unless you're a, a drinker of milk, which is mm-hmm. different. Um, and also cheese. I find people who like their cheese have a very hard time giving up cheese. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm one well, of those. <laughs> I get a lot of resistance with when it comes to cheese. And I, I understand. But um, um, you know, I've been I, I haven't had dairy in oh my God, I don't know, 25 years or something. So for me now it's like if I accidentally have something with dairy in it, it is the most awful taste in my mouth. Like I can't even stand it. Whereas mm. you know yeah, Italian cheese is like uh, everyday food. Yes, exactly. Food, right? So it wasn't like I didn't grow up with it or don't know what it tastes like. I definitely know what it tastes like, but now it's just so foreign to me that, I, mm-hmm. that it doesn't taste good to me anymore. So, but I, I understand and it's a slow process. Mm-hmm. But you have to find little changes and just start to incorporate those little changes. And I also find stop telling people what you're doing. Like stop you know, saying, oh, this is a vegan dish. As soon as people hear that, they're like, oh, that's going to taste awful. I'm not eating that, mm-hmm. right? But if, if you kind of just say, here's dinner, <laughs> don't question it. <laughs> and hopefully they don't question it either. So that's, that's how I did it. I just sort of slowly started incorporating, like, this is just dinner. Like, don't give it a name. Don't, like, yes. don't make a big deal of it. Just this mm-hmm. is dinner. Yeah. <laughs> That's very smart. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Rita, I know that you have an upcoming class. So tell us more about the four-week program. I can quickly um, share the slide so that everybody can see it and it's easier to follow. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So the the 30-day class is basically... Um, a, a lifestyle, a, a way of teaching you how to um, eat better so that if you do suffer from inflammation or any other health condition, that the body has the chance to heal itself naturally, right? So 
again, it doesn't happen in 30 days. For some people, it might. I've had people do a 30-day program and notice, like, right away within that month, like, their joint pain is less or even gone. Um, uh, so, so definitely, there's definitely changes that will happen within the 30 days. But at the end of the day, the class itself or the classes itself is to teach you a new way or a new lifestyle, a way of eating. And I take you through each week and we do something different each week, but it's basically, you know, um, giving you an idea of what foods to incorporate more into your diet. Uh, obviously foods that you want to sort of eliminate or avoid in the diet, then and then we look at different things. So in the, this is more like a summer one. So we're definitely going to be incorporating, talking more about raw foods and fermenting, fermented foods and sprouts and their benefits and why you should be eating them or incorporating them or even how to incorporate them, especially if you're, you know, if you have a family that is not interested in eating sprouts, then how, how can we hide that into the diet somehow or things like that. Um, then we look at, um, um, you know, natural anti-inflammatories. So what can we be eating that lowers um, our inflammation levels in the body? So, could, you know, is it eating more nuts and seeds? Is it, you know, reducing or eliminating um, animal proteins? Is it increasing legumes? Um, or, you know, it, it depends on the person. And so we kind of go through all of that in the four weeks. And then um, at the end of the four weeks, people are welcome to just continue following the diet the way it is, um, or I mean, they can stop. But like I said, most people, once they start feeling better, it's very rare that they're gonna say, oh, that was fun. I'm just gonna go back to eating you know, McDonald's and, and feel crappy. So, um, yeah, so it's four weeks, we meet once a week for an hour um, and um, what else can I say about that? We meet four weeks for about an hour. Um, and I think this time around, we're going to do a little um, Facebook group or like a group that, that we can communicate for the whole month. So not just on, the, you know, on mm -hmm. those days, but to have a group where we can share questions, um, food ideas, shopping tips, all that kind of stuff. That's really exciting. And I have to uh, share with you that I have taken this course with Rita. It's life changing. It's fascinating. It's, it's, it's made a lot of great shifts in my health and my uh, lifestyle. I did it in Feb. And um, uh, I'm not going to go back to many of those things that I used to do. <laughs> Uh, the starting date for this upcoming class is 3rd of June um, during noon time um, Eastern time. And um, I will post the link both on Facebook and uh, for our participants on uh, Zoom as well. Uh, I have a few more questions that I've received from our audience. So I'm going to uh, just go back to the normal, stop sharing my screen. So, um, is lack of energy a sign of inflammation? Uh, so many reasons for lack of energy. Could be toxicity, could be maybe you're missing certain nutrients, um, could be low iron or B12. Um, so, that, and, and having said all that, so that could be contributing to healing of any inflammation if those things are going on. But 
uh, low energy itself is not necessarily um, inflammation per se, but it can be a contributor if if there is inflammation and you have a low energy that the body just doesn't have the resources to fight the inflammation. Mm-hmm. And the other question is, could strict diet plans that rely on packaged foods affect overall health negatively? Some of prepared foods? Um, I guess it depends on the, on the food and what else is in there. Um, Uh, Erin, I think you can also uh, elaborate more or unmute yourself and um, share more if you wish. Yeah, so uh, thanks so much for the opportunity. Yes, so uh, my specific question is about the diet plans that rely specifically on um, like they give you the portions in packaged foods and uh, they're highly processed. Um, my personal experience was I felt very, very sick after two weeks on a, a certain diet. Um, so that's, that was the question and maybe that's the reason I was in this session. So I was wondering if you have any, anything to, um, talk about that. I'm not sure. Yeah. So, um, the packaged foods, um, and sorry, Aaron, was it for like, uh, a weight loss program or is it yes it is for the weight weight loss program yeah. yeah so a lot of times especially when it comes to like weight loss programs a lot of times they're putting they're putting together uh, packages um just to, to and they're focusing only on like numbers right so they're focusing on oh let's just make sure it's low calorie or let's make sure it's like a lot of fiber and uh, low sugars and so yeah so the the additives or even the fillers that are in there to help you feel full um, are probably not that great. So I would look at, you know, is there uh, artificial sweeteners in there, which is definitely a contributor to inflammation and it aggravates inflammation, a big deal. Um, it could also be like um, uh, food colorings and uh, other preservatives. So those things are all contributors to to inflammation in the body. And if there's already inflammation to start and you just start adding those foods in, then yes, I could see a big connection to um, making you not feel well because the body, if the body was already, um, you know, in a, in a state of inflammation or a state of not, um, not doing a good job of healing itself, then these foods are just gonna add more stress to the whole process. So um, I can definitely see a, a, a connection to that. Thanks so much. That that helped. Thank you. Thanks, Rita. The other question is about water, and I think we get we keep getting this question a lot. Um, what is the best water source and the best water to drink? Yeah, that's always a good question. Um, I definitely I would not put tap water on the list. So we're going to remove tap water. So if you're drinking tap water, I would. I would suggest that you find something else to drink. So if I kind of were to rate it, I would say tap water is at the bottom of the list. If you have a Brita filter, which is slightly better, but still not that great, but better than tap water. Then you have uh, other fil- or like other filtered waters or even spring water. So um, spring water would be sort of the next one that I would say 
would be a, a beneficial water. Um, but um, if you can't get a good spring water or you don't want to buy spring water that's in plastic, then um, getting a reverse osmosis system or um, something like that would be ideal. And it kind of, and I do get a lot of flack on that one because it's, you know, it supposedly takes out all the minerals and, you know, uh, things like that. But in, in our house, we use reverse osmosis water and then we just uh, add these mineral drops into our water. And it actually is amazing how close to spring water, like natural spring water it tastes just by adding these mineral drops back into the water. So um, yeah, so water wise, I, I prefer like a, a reverse osmosis water with mineral drops. If you wanna do distilled water, some people uh, enjoy distilled water, but I would still put mineral drops back in there. Then there's a really great systems like the Berkey water filter, um, what's the other one? Probably Centivia, I think it's called, where it, it filters through rocks, um, and you think that's just like a countertop unit. So those are those are good ways of, of um, getting water in. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some other mm -hmm. way of filtered water, but no. But that, I think that's comprehensive and a good guide uh, for people to start somewhere. Um, I have another question. I know that you somehow touched on this, but um, the question is, is there any major foods you'd remove or add to the diet to deal with inflammation? Uh, we talked about removing eggs, um, gluten and dairy. Is there anything else to remove or is there anything that um, super helpful if you add it in? Yeah, good question. So, yeah, so removing those first three, the gluten, the dairy, and the eggs is a very good place to start. And on top of that, um, and obviously like sugar, like refined sugar, processed foods, if you can avoid or eliminate that altogether, that's even, that's bonus. That's great. I would, I would definitely encourage that. Um, but then incorporating more anti-inflammatory foods. So omega-3s are a natural anti-inflammatory. So um, we can get that through supplement, obviously, like fish oils and cod liver oil, or you can get vegan sources of omega-3s, which come from uh, sea, sea vegetable, I believe. Um, but you can incorporate hemp seeds and chia seeds and flax seeds, um, walnuts. Those are all great sources of omega-3s. Um, I would also try to incorporate, um, uh, it, usually there's an underlying gut problem that I'm trying to correct a lot of, especially with autoimmune conditions. So if you're not a vegan, you can try bone broth. Bone broth is very healing. Biotics, so more fermented foods like kombucha, um, sauerkraut, or you can supplement with a probiotic supplement. Um, what else would I say? So I, the sauerkraut, uh, it, the ones that we buy at supermarket, are, are they going to do the job? So the sauerkraut has to be fermented. So it has mm -hmm. to be the one that's in the refrigerated section of the store. Mm -hmm. um, it usually will say raw or fermented. I, I'm trying to think what it says online, but usually it, it should say something like raw fermented sauerkraut. So don't buy the one that's sitting on the shelf or, or cooked for that matter. So there's no, there's no, I mean, cabbage is still beneficial, but mm -hmm. in terms of probiotic or the good bacteria and the enzymes, that's only found in the raw 
in the raw fermented sauerkraut. So anything fermented, um, miso paste is fermented also. So mm -hmm. do that. Perfect. Yeah. These are the questions that I had received from the audience. Uh, we still have six or seven minutes to go. Is there anything else that you want to share, Rita? Uh, any closing thoughts that could help people to, to have their takeaways from this session? Um, yeah, I would say for anyone that is dealing with inflammation, so they already know they have arthritis or high blood pressure or diabetes or even elevated cholesterol, um, these types of things. So if you already know there's, there's some sort of inflammation going on, then it, it, it is really worth working with uh, some sort of holistic practitioner to, to review, you know, your diet, review your supplements, um, and just put you on the path so you can get to a better place. I know a lot of times people are already taking medications for a lot of these conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, as a holistic practitioner, it's not my job to remove medications or tell you to take it or not take it. It's not, uh, it's not that at all. But most of the time what I find is as people's health improve, then, you know, they can go back to their doctor and say, well, I want to reduce this or I don't want to take this anymore. So so it, it, it'll be nice to get to a point where you don't need medications mm -hmm. if that's, you know, if that's sort of your goal. Um, what else can I say? Um, and also, I think also um, just, just understand, not even understanding, but connecting the dots. So I think back to my 20-year-old self and mm -hmm. the dots and wasn't connecting the dots. It's like, even the littlest of things. So, you know, I was mentioning like, oh, like my, my thumb hurts sometimes. So it's like, that could be a, the first sign of inflammation. So mm -hmm. we could ignore it or we can, you know, maybe get some acupuncture done on it or maybe start taking some herbs or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, to so see taking the first step. Yeah, so it's just listening, like listen to your body. What's it saying to you? And, you know, and work with somebody who can help you on, on a path of, getting to a better place. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rita. This session was very informative. I'm sure everybody, um, there's something in it for everybody mm -hmm. to take away. And um, just for you to know the session is, uh, the live session is going to remain on Facebook. So if you didn't have time to uh, join us, it's still okay. You can have access to it and watch it at your own time. Uh, I have also shared the links to register for the session, both on uh, Zoom and uh, on Facebook. Um, we would love to hear more from you. So if you have more questions, uh, just type them in the comment section of the uh, video on um, Facebook, and then we will get back to you. Let's keep the conversation going and uh, Thank you so much, Rita. This was really inspiring, empowering. And uh, oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this um, ride. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Um, so bye, everyone. Thank you.